Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome in, Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz filling in for the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Lovell. We've got Kylan Talley here on the board, and we have the very capable Eddie Garrison on the update desk. Let's see what's going on tonight, Eddie. Thank you, Derek. It was a pretty historic day in Major League Baseball. You had the Detroit Tigers throwing a combined no-hitter against the Toronto Blue Jays in their 2 to nothing win. Matt Manning got it all started. He went six and two-thirds. He hit two batters, and he walked three, struck out five, and then the bullpen was able to lock it down for the last two and a third innings. The only two runs for the Tigers came off of Kevin Gosman in the bottom of the first inning. The series... Rubber match will be tomorrow afternoon. The Cincinnati Reds, Ellie De La Cruz. That's all I have to say. He takes off again. Pitch down and in. Fame throw. There's no chance. Two steals. De La Cruz had already looked a couple of times at Brian Anderson, knowing that if he got a jump, he's going to home. The throw. He stole home. John Sadak and John, Jeff Brantley on the call on Bally Sports Ohio. That is Ellie De La Cruz not only stealing third, but stealing home. And a matter of fact, he stole second, third, and home on two pitches. Yes, that is correct. Oh, not to mention he had to go ahead RBI, too, in the top of the seventh inning. So those two runs that he scored in the top of the seventh gave the Reds a 7-5 to five lead. They tack on one more. They'd win 8-5. to five. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Ellie De La Cruz, man, we could do, if you guys want, just two and a half hours on Ellie De La Cruz. How about that? I'm up for it. <laughs> I mean, we're in Indiana. I'm, we're at the flagship here, 93 WIBC, 93.51075, the fan in Indy, hour 45, hour 50, depending on how fast you want to go on 74 to Cincinnati. It's really not that far. I'm sure I haven't looked at the network Indiana affiliate list i'm sure that we've got somebody like in i don't know greensburg or batesville or something like that uh somewhere out that way even closer to since we could probably get away dead of summer like this just doing two and a half hours all kidding aside the dude is incredible i i don't want to throw out the word phenomenon just lightly right because in sports, we, we've had these guys that have kind of burst onto the scene and then did remember jeremy lynn Jeremy Lin was here and he was celebrated and it was unbelievable for like three weeks and then he was basically gone forever. And I fully understand that Jerry, Jeremy Lin went on to play for Houston and Brooklyn and a couple of other places. He, he ended up scratching out an NBA career, right? It was a great story. But him being relevant and must-see TV, we're, we're talking about three or four weeks tops in 2012 or whatever year that was. Uh, Harold Miner winning the slam dunk contest. If you're old enough to remember Harold Miner, he actually earned the nickname Baby Jordan. You know, that guy was kind of a fly-by night, right? He was here, and then he was completely gone. And that's part of the reason that we love sports for guys like that. But Ellie De La Cruz looks like a guy that is going to be a superstar for a long, long time. Um, I, I do not watch as much baseball, admittedly, as I used to. Uh, growing up in the Northeast, it was a really big deal, and all my friends watched baseball. And this, the Subway Series happened when I was a senior in high school, and 
you know, I was a Yankees fan, and then I had other Yankees fan friends, I had Mets fan friends, I had Red Sox fan friends, and we, we'd all kind of, like, watch the games together, and, and that was a really fun time to be a baseball fan coming off the Maguire-Sosa stuff before we knew what was going on there. I think we had suspected what was going on. Um, but I, I've watched a lot, a lot of Major League Baseball, and what happened today in Milwaukee with him – stealing second and third in the span of two pitches. And I, I haven't looked at a lot of sports bureau or ESPN or anything like that, statisticians, wh- whatever it is. I know that I've never seen that before. I- I've never even fathomed something like that happening before where you would steal second, third, and home in the span of two pitches. It is, it's electric. It is mind-boggling. It is possibly unprecedented. It's incredible. And that's why you watch. You you watch to see something that is special. And you can say, hey, I was at that game. Even if you're a diehard Brewers fan and you want to see the Brewers win, it's a division game, the whole deal, right? But you can tell people, yeah, I, I went to this Saturday game randomly in July of 2023. And this dude, Ellie De La Cruz, who now has won two MVP awards and is heading for the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm embellishing maybe a little bit there. He stole second, third, and home in the span of two pitches. I mean, how about that call, the TV call that Eddie played during the update? If I'm sitting up there in the booth, I'm probably just speechless. I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know how to react to something like that. And that's a great call in real time because you're thinking that at your house as well. The the truly great calls are the ones that – are the perfect example of the reaction that John Q. Fan is having at home. Now, I'm not talking going ballistic and jumping around your living room and screaming profanities and all that stuff. I I mean, like, actually getting the words out. Because if you're watching that at home, and I was not watching that live, you're saying the same thing. Oh, my God! Ellie De La Cruz stole home after everything that he did during that sequence. It's unbelievable. And, and good for the Reds. Um, I can take or leave the Reds. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent towards I'm, – I'm kind of indifferent to all the teams out here. Cubs, White Sox, Cardinals. Like, I, I don't really care. Um, I, don't, I don't love them. I don't hate them. Um, but I know a lot of Reds fans, and it's been a tough slog here. They had that run with, like, the Brandon Phillips, Jay Bruce, early Joey Votto teams, Bronson Arroyo, Edinson Volquez, Johnny Cueto, like that group of guys where they were winning the division, they were going to the playoffs. Of course, they never got anywhere. They, they went to, I think it was San Francisco in 2011 or 2012. I I'm, I'm, might be mixing up the years. And they won the first two games, and then they came back to Cincinnati and literally lost the last three in a best of five. Like that, It's been a tough slog here for Cincinnati. But to have this dude in Ellie De La Cruz and this team that has been super fun and exciting, I have no idea if they're going anywhere. I, I really don't know in the scope of 2023. No clue. But I don't care. You feel like you want to watch them every night and you watch want to watch Ellie De La Cruz every night. It's incredible. We're not really going to spend two and a half hours on the Cincinnati Reds, guys. we got plenty to get to, including the Pacers' Summer League debut. Going to talk about it next here on Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana. Stick around. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Saturday night. 
We will talk Pacers Summer League. I'll have the score update for you coming uh, from Eddie here in about five minutes. But to the phone lines we go. Let's welcome on our buddy Greg Ragstraw. He is the voice of the Indy 11. Tough result for the boys in blue tonight as they fall 1-0 to Tulsa. And they've been playing better uh, over the past couple of weeks. But, um, you know, obviously a difficult result tonight. Uh, especially when you're on, on your home field in front of your home fans. Um, beautiful night, I'm sure, for soccer, but not the most beautiful result for our friends at the Indy 11. Correct, and this was very reminiscent of how this team played earlier in the year, you know, where they would do everything but yeah. score a goal. You know, possession was in favor of the Indy 11. It was kind of one defensive kind of miscue, bad break early in the match that Tulsa pounced on and scored, and then honestly didn't do much threatening on goal the rest of the match, Indy took 19 shots on the night, only six of them on frame, and, and really really only one that kind of froze the keeper. And, and that was kind of a, of a half-bicycle attempt from Sebastian Wenzati early, ended up going off the, the far post. Uh, in the second half, as they're chasing the match, uh, a goal down. Again, great build-up, good interplay, just couldn't finish. That, that hasn't been the M.O. of this team as of late, but it's been the M.O. enough times during the course of the year where it's kind of a repeat of the problems that we saw at times, especially in the months of April and May. Good news. The women in their second season took care of business in another playoff game, got some revenge as well. 1-0. They're moving on to the W League semifinals. Uh, it's been really a great team from the get-go uh, over there, for what they put together with the women's program for the W League. No doubt, and I appreciate you bringing that up. So last year, Indy probably was the second or third best team in the league, and just kind of the way the brackets were pre-drawn, they went on the road to one of the few teams better than them in Minnesota Aurora. Uh, Minnesota Aurora plays at the Vikings training facility, and they routinely draw crowds of six, seven, eight thousand or more. Um, this year was a neutral site game. Indy actually went on the road and won at Flint on Thursday. The W League sent four teams to four different locations. So Indy and Minnesota then played today, and Indy picked up a 1-0 victory. Sam Dewey had the lone goal in minute number 59, the former Xavier player. And Triton Central product, who once scored 83 goals in a single high school season, which is rather Jeez. remarkable to think about. Exactly. Um, and so now Indy will get to host a semifinal they don't know whom yet. It will be Friday night at 7 o'clock at Grand Park. Um, there are two matches that will take place tomorrow. They will basically be a team from the western half of the United States, a team from the southeastern United States, and a team from the northeast. Wow. And one of them is heading to Grand Park to play the Indy 11 in the league semifinals coming up on Friday night. Voice of the Indy 11, Greg Regstraw, joins us. Uh, last thing here, Rake, we'll cut you loose here pretty early. Uh, did you see what Ellie De La Cruz did today? Nobody was hearing about it. So the last that I checked, the Reds were down 4-1. I know that Joey Votto homered at some point in the game, and judging by the last two minutes of the first segment you just did, he stole home at some point in time. Yeah, he stole second, third, and home in the span of two pitches. That's Jackie Robinson stuff right there, buddy. I mean, they were crazy. They were reacting to him stealing third, and the dude is halfway down the base path towards home as they're reacting. That's how fast it happened. I mean, I, I, Greg, I've never seen anything like it. It's incredible. Isn't it an amazing thing that all of a sudden the Cincinnati Reds are the most interesting team in yeah. baseball? 
as a Reds fan, even when they went wire to wire in 1990, they weren't the most interesting team in baseball until sweeping the 90 Oakland A's over the course of like five days. Uh, This is a wonderful time we live in if you're a long-suffering Reds fan such as me, and we would happily welcome you onto the bandwagon, Derek, if you'd like to join. Oh, yeah, I'm done hate-watching the Yankees this year, so yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopping on board, my man. If you're driving the bandwagon, save me a seat in the back. Uh, you can check out well, Greg. Literally, I, I have a ticket for a matinee game on July 20th. You are welcome to make nice. the road trip to Cincinnati with me. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, Voice of the Indy 11. Always appreciate it, my man. Thanks. See you, buddy. James Boyd, The Athletic, going to join us next, Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. NBA Summer League action today. The Indiana Pacers playing their first Summer League game out in Las Vegas. They're playing the Washington Wizards, and they have a 74-73 lead right now. That is about five minutes left in the fourth quarter over on ESPN2. The third quarter for Indiana did not go in their favor. Outscored 32-13. to and if you're wanting to know how Jairus Walker is doing in his first appearance in a Pacers uniform, he has struggled offensively, but he's been terrific defensively. 3 of 13 from the floor. He's 1 of 5 from downtown, totaling up to 8 points. But he's got 10 rebounds, 3 blocks, and 3 steals. And he's played just over 26 minutes total. Benedict Matherin's played just under 30 minutes. He's got 21 points on 7 of 18 shooting. He's made 3 of his 9 3-point attempts. Isaiah Jackson has a double-double. He's got 15 points, and he just corralled his 13th rebound. Andrew Nimhard, after making his first three shots, he is now 1 for 7, but he's got 10 points and 8 assists for the Pacers. Minor League Baseball, the Indianapolis Indians, Memphis Redbirds just going on about 5 minutes from where I'm sitting here in downtown Indianapolis at Victory Field. They're in the top of the ninth. Redbirds 6, Indianapolis Indians, or Redbirds 8, Indians 6. And the Redbirds were trailing going into the top of the ninth, 6-5. to five. They've added three, and they've got runners on the corners with two outs. The South Bend Cubs are going into the bottom of the ninth inning, and they're trailing the Peoria Chiefs 5-1. to one. And the Fort Wayne Tin Caps lose to the West Michigan Whitecaps 3-1. to one. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz. Thanks, Teddy Garrison on the update desk. Kyle and Tally producing the show. And appreciate you as well making us a part of your Saturday night. I know July, what is today? The 8th, 9th, whatever, 8th today isn't generally the time when you're thinking NFL. And hopefully it's not a time that our next guest is thinking NFL and he's taking a much needed break but he still is nice enough to let me continue bother him and blow up his phone all the time hey can you do me this favor can you can i interview you for a column james hey james can you come on the radio show it's james boyd of the athletic um you might want to block my number after this my man <laughs> uh, I could never do that. I appreciate you reaching out. And for you, I'll make that time. <laughs> we know these last couple of weeks, you know, it's kind of sort of the, the last time the players and coaches have the chance to take a little bit of a breather. But what about for an NFL rider? Have you taken some time to recharge? And have you got yourself set yet for the marathon? That's another season that's rapidly approaching here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on my way right now to go see Spider-Man. Just something to get my mind off of sports because I feel like as a fan of it, you want to stay attached to it as a worker in that environment. You want to stay attached to it, but I know it's good for my mental health, honestly, to just at least escape for a little bit. 
I know when we talk about the Colts, a lot of the focus is going to be on quarterback. We'll get to that here in just a bit. But to me, cornerback, James, is what I'm concerned with, especially with the news with Isaiah Rodgers. And they obviously put a lot towards that in the draft with a couple of draft picks and and Juju Brents as a projected starter. But I'd have to imagine that they're going to add a veteran to that mix, no? I don't know. That's the question everyone keeps asking me, and I haven't heard anything. Otherwise, I would have reported it. But I would say if there isn't a veteran – cornerback signed by training camp that maybe they do just stick with the young guys and sort of use it as a built-in excuse to pile up maybe one or two more losses because we all know this is not going to be a great season, I think win-wise. And so if you are able to, let's say, get one or two more losses and that puts you in the, dare I say, Marvin Harrison Jr. range, I mean, is that a bad thing for the Colts? They won't come out and say that, but I know it has to be at least something that crosses their mind. Yeah, and I think when we get to Westfield, you talk about position battles and all of that. Those guys obviously know that, hey, if I show out here, I'm going to have a chance to crack the two deep. That, that's got to be the most interesting position battle that they're in. I think even more so than quarterback, just top to bottom at cornerback. Oh, absolutely. I think that they have um, some pretty exciting pieces there, even without Isaiah Rogers Sr. You have Bridger Brent, who you drafted in the second round the hometown kid. You have Darius Rush, who had, I believe, a third or fourth round grade, who dropped to the fifth round, so you saw you got to steal with him. You have Dallas Flowers, who I'm really high on, uh, underdog mentality, but has the supreme confidence to play that position at a high level. So you have some people there. Then also you have Kenny Moore looking to make a bounce back season. So they have some pieces there, but I do think even if these guys step up, step up to the challenge, they're going to be very inexperienced, and inexperience leads to um, some undesired results in the NFL because, as you know, inexperience usually leads to um, you struggling a bit. So I said it to be the case, but um, they do have, I think, for that group, the guys in that group, ample opportunity to prove themselves and some of them guys to prove that they earned some, uh, some money in the league as well. I'm glad you brought up Kenny Moore because it, it, Kenny Moore's not the only guy in this category, but he's the first guy that I think of, of of a guy who has kind of fallen off a little bit and is still here, and it's almost like we've forgotten about Kenny Moore. And I want to see the old Kenny Moore kind of come back up again, not only with Kenny, but with, you know, Quentin Nelson or Ryan Kelly or, you know, some of these other players that seemingly had some regression last year. Do you expect them to come back uh, better and, and being their normal selves once again? I'm not sure about Kenny Moore because, again, he, it's not like he changed teams and changed coordinators. And Gus Bradley still doesn't utilize the nickel maybe as much as Eberflus did before he left, which was when Kenny Moore had it, you know, one of the best years of his career and became a pro bowler. So I just drew a lot on him. I do expect Quentin Nelson to bounce back and get back to the high standard he's playing at, mainly because he's still young as well, didn't have any major injuries that we know of. Um, and so I would expect them to have – at least the team overall, some of these veteran guys to have some, some bounce back seasons. But at the end of the day, a lot of the season will be determined by that guy under center. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I love to talk about the other guys, I know as soon as Anthony Richardson starts throwing in front of the Indianapolis public for the first time, that's going to be all of the talk around Indy. Let's talk about who's going to be under center. Do you think – in your heart of hearts, the staff knows who that week one starter is going to be yet, or do, or do you believe that they're really going to kind of let this play out and, and see where they're at? I think it's the latter. I think yeah. they, they will let this play out because my whole thing is when you put Anthony Richardson in there, 
you have to be sold on leaving him in there. You don't want to put him out there and it's like, oh, man, he's in over his head. We, we did this prematurely. Let's take him back out because then it be, might become a confidence issue. It becomes sort of choppy. So I'm thinking, you know, if Anthony Richardson is available to start week one, it's not a failure. He's a very young player, very raw player. There's a huge learning curve that I think a lot of fans are kind of dismissing. To making the jump from college to the NFL, even though he played in the SEC, it's still a huge leap. And so um, I think that that's something that they're going to monitor throughout the summer. And as we get closer to August and September, we'll see just by the reps that we see as far as first-team reps, who they're leaning towards as far as the starter goes. James Boyd covers the Colts for the Athletic. He joins us, Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Are we going to see a contract extension before week one of the regular season for either Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman Jr., if you had to predict it today? I will say Taylor, yes, Pittman, no. I think mm-hmm. Taylor is a little bit easier to get done because he doesn't have much leverage at the running back position, even after you know having one of the greatest running back seasons in franchise history. He still is at a position that is sort of kind of tapered off in, in years in the NFL. So um, I would expect them to be able to come to some sort of agreement. Maybe it's Taylor not getting the five-year deal that he wants in his three years, and maybe it's – you know, the the coach shelling out a bit more money over three years as opposed to, you know, not paying him that much money. And so I think there's a, a middle ground there. But with Pittman, I mean, the question is, and, and maybe it's one I need to ask him myself is, and he'll never answer this publicly, at least I don't think so, does he want to be here? You know, he has more to gain from leaving the Colts, I think, than to actually stay as it compared to Jonathan Taylor, that is, because for Pittman, he hasn't had a chance to prove himself with a quarterback that's been there, that's been established, and even with Anthony Richardson, you would expect him to be here for years to come, but does Pittman feel like he's ready to hitch his wagon to Richardson, or does he feel like, man, maybe I'll play this year out, become an unrestricted free agent, and try to cash in, or at least see what the market says my value is before resigning? At Romeoville Kid on Twitter, the athletic app for all of his work, and you also frequently hear him on these stations. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy Spider Man, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me, and thanks for making me famous back home. My family was pretty excited about the article in IBJ, so much appreciated. No problem, my man. James Boyd, really talented dude. Follow him on all social media platforms. We're back with more next on Network Indiana.